second we we are going to sit down to listen to your words open our heart open our ears so let your words we can keep it in our heart in our fertile lands it can grow multiply and then more than just we listen we do your words we perform what what you ask us to do and then through our action let your name be glorified in jesus name we pray amen you all may be seated all right so we are still continuing in studying of the uh, the book of first samuel so today we are going to talk about first samuel 23 verse 14 to 28 all right so what i'm going to do oh this is very forward all right um i'm going to read first samuel 23 14 to 28 all right david stay in the wilderness strongholds and in the hills of the desert of zip Day after day Saul searched for him but God did not give David into his hands While David was at Horesh in the desert of Zip he learned that Saul had come out to take his life and Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God Don't be afraid he said My father Saul will not lay a hand on you you will be king over Israel and i will be second to you even my father saul knows this the two of them made a covenant before the lord then jonathan went home and but david remained at horesh the ziphite went up to saul at gibeah and said is not david hiding among us in the strongholds at the horesh on the hill of hakilah south of jeshimon now your majesty come down whenever it pleases you to do so and we will be responsible for giving him into your hands Saul replied the lord bless you for your concern for me go and get more information find out where david usually goes and who has seen him there they uh, they tell he is very crafty find out about all the hiding places he uses and come back to me with definite information then i will go with you if he is in the area i will track him down among all the clans of judah so they set out and went to zip ahead of saul now david and his men were in the desert of maon in the araba south of jeshimon saul and his men began the search and when david was told about it he went down to the rock uh, to the rock and stay in the desert of maon When Saul heard this he went into the desert of Maon in pursuit of David. Saul was going along one side of the mountain and David and his men were on the other side hurrying to get away from Saul. As Saul and his forces were closing in on David and his men to capture them a message came to Saul saying come quickly the Philistines are raiding the land. Then Saul broke off his pursuit of David and went to meet the Philistines. That is why they call this place Selah 
Hamalekot. All right. Now, we learned from last week, if you were here, when Pastor Lillian preached, David went to a place called Kilah. 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 So he went there, he went to Kilah to help the people of Kilah to fight Philistine, which he ended up won the war. He ended up won the battle against the Philistine. Now, obviously, Saul heard the news that David actually fought against the Philistine and won at Keilah. So Saul was on his way to Keilah to capture David. Now, David heard the news that Saul actually went, uh, went up to Keilah to actually capture him. So he prayed. Uh, the Bible says uh, he used effort. Effort is the... Uh, the, the high priest's clothing uh, that is used to communicate with God. So he used that effort, effort to, uh, and asked God, God, will the people in Kayla surrender me to Saul? Now, bear in mind, he just won against Philistine to defend Kayla. To his surprise, God said, yes. The people in Kayla will surrender you to Saul. Now you probably think that what's, what's going on with these people in Kayla? They're not very grateful. They've just been helping, you know, to fight the Philistine and won. Now they want to surrender me to uh, to Saul. But anyway, when 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 God actually told uh, told David that they uh, they will surrender uh, him to Kayla. And what David did, he ran away again to the wilderness. So he arrived at this place called Horesh. Now, what we are going to do today, we're going to actually learn not so much about David, but all the other party or all the other people that dealt with David at Horesh. All right. Now, the first one, the first one is Jonathan. Now, let me reread the... Uh, uh, the, the, the portion from 1 Samuel 23, 15 to 18. It said like this. While David uh, was at Horesh in the desert of Zip, he learned that Saul had came out to take his life. And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father's soul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father's soul knows this. Uh, then the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horesh. Now, if you read the NIV version of this uh, verse, there is a footnote at the bottom of the chapter. Now, the footnotes say, while David was at Horace in the desert of Zip, he was afraid because Saul had come out to take his life. Now, the key, uh, the key words here, he was afraid. Now, to me, that makes sense. If somebody threatens you, I want to take your life, and they are not kidding about it, Everywhere you go, they will try to chase you up and then wanting to kill your, uh, take your life. 
Of course I will be afraid. I think everyone does. You'll be silly if you said, oh, somebody won't take that. Ah, no, no, he's just kidding. But that guy actually, you know, going everywhere, actually following you everywhere you go. You will be afraid. Of course you will be. That's David's situation. What we want to see here is how God intervened in David's life in saving him from Saul. If, if we trace back in the previous chapter, the, first, uh, the last chapter and two chapters before that, God always intervened in, in David's life, allowing him to flee from, from Saul. When, uh, in the last chapter, uh, when David was at Keilah, remember that I mentioned that David communicated with God using effort. And God told him, they will surrender you to Saul. Then David flee. God intervened. In the previous chapter again, if you, if you actually read the two chapters before, God actually spoke to David through the prophet of God. The prophet of God said that, hey, David, leave the wilderness, go to Judah. So, so God always actually give David direction where to go to make sure that he's not getting captured by Saul. Now, in this chapter, interestingly, it was a note down that God directly spoke to David. Instead, instead, Jonathan was there. Now, who is Jonathan? We knew from the Bible that we read that Jonathan is Saul's son. We knew that he is the, the crown prince. He was meant to be taking up the, uh, the, the, the kingship. He was meant to be the next king after Saul. But to David, he was just a friend. He was nothing but a good friend of David. Now, Jonathan is not just an ordinary friend. When he went to see David... When David was actually in trouble, when David was actually in the run, uh, on, the, on the run from Saul, he didn't just say, hey, David, you'll be all right, mate. Everything will be fine. All the problem will go away. He doesn't say that. But the Bible say he helped David find strength in God. That's what a true friend is. What Jonathan was, was actually a vessel of God's, uh, uh, how God's actually communicated through, uh, to David. Through a friend. Now this morning, it is a calling for all of us. Of course, we all have friends. You have friends in your workplace. You have friends in your uni. You have family members here. You have family members in Indonesia. You have, you have all the connection that, uh, you know, uh, around you. And then if we want to be uh, true to ourselves, everyone has problem. Everyone has sickness to deal with. Everyone has financial problem to deal with. Everyone has a relationship uh, issue that they have to deal with. And this is a calling for all of us here. As a Jonathan, will you be a friend to your 
to other people. Now you probably can say, I'm not qualified, William. I don't know what to say. I don't know what verse to share to other people. Well, look at Jonathan. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a prophet. He's just a friend. But a friend who helped his friend to find strength in God. Will you do that? Now, if we learn from, from what Jonathan did, somebody who qualified to be a true friend is somebody that is not uh, so selfish. You know what's the, uh, what Jonathan can say? Hey, David, I'll be the king. You'll be the second in charge. Can he say that? Of course he can. But what he said You'll be the king. I'll be the second in charge. Somebody who wants to sacrifice something to a friend. Your effort, your time, probably your money, probably your title, your entitlement, your position. But that's how God works. Now, one of my my uh, the the if we actually read um, the the Bible, say First Thessalonians five eleven, it say, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Are we doing that? I shared this morning one of my favorite uh, Christian uh, singer or um, uh, uh, is is Matthew West, and one of his uh, song called Do Something. Now, I'm not going to sing, but, but let me actually read you a few, uh, the, the verse, uh, not the verse, the, uh, the, the lines. This is what he said. I woke up this morning. I saw a world full of trouble now. I thought, how would we ever get so far down? And how uh, is it ever going to turn around? So I turned my eyes to heaven. I thought, God, why don't you do something? Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty. Children sold into slavery. The thought disgusted me. So I, 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 uh, so I shook my fist to heaven. I, I said, God, why didn't you do something? And God said, I did. I created you. You know, the interesting thing is, when God actually put passion in your heart, when God when God actually put um, some love in your heart towards other people, when you see other people actually hurting, when you see other people in trouble, when you see that other people need your help, he put this in your burden in your heart. Well, I am calling you 
as a Jonathan. Will you do something? There is a reason why God put that burden in your heart. For you to do something. He created you as the answer for other people. Will you do something? Second thing. The, the other uh, party that we can actually learn from this, uh, from this story. The Ziphite. From 1 Samuel 23, 19 to 20. The Ziphites went up to Saul at uh, Gibeah and said, Is not David hiding among us in the stronghold at the Horesh on the hill of Hakilah, south of Jeshimon? Now, your majesty... Come down whenever it pleases you to do so, and we will be responsible for giving him into your hands. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this passage, I straight away thought that these people, why did they want to do that? Why did they want to actually surrender David to Saul? What did David do wrong to them apart from just hiding there? And then we put judgment. They shouldn't do that. What they did is wrong. They should have helped David, right? Not Saul. Then we start putting judgment. But then again, if we really think about it, we never knew what is the reason why they did that, right? We just read that they did that. Why? We don't know. But we start putting judgment, we start putting our thought, we start labeling them, they did something wrong. But let me, let me, let me try to actually dig the, the Bible a bit deeper. Again, last week when Pastor Lillian actually preached about, the, uh, um, about David went to uh, Kayla to actually help people in Kayla fighting the Philistine. Similar story happened again. Similar story when, you know, remember that I, I mentioned before, David actually prayed, God, will the people in Kayla surrender me to Saul? And, they, uh, and God said, yes, they will. The same thing happened with, uh, uh, with the Sivites. They want to surrender David to Saul. So what's going on? Why everyone suddenly want to surrender David to Saul? If we look back few chap- a couple chapters before that, now, if you remember when, when Pastor Agus preached the other weeks about when, when David, uh, David met uh, high priest Ahimelech and he was asking for bread and sword. Remember that? You guys remember? No? Yes? No? Okay, remember. Good. So, David actually went to the high priest Ahimelech asking for bread and sword. And Ahimelech provided David with, instead of actual normal bread, it's a holy bread that was meant to be eaten by the priests only. And also Goliath's sword. Remember that? Now, after David left, if you read the, uh, the, 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 the next chapter, Saul went to see Ahimelech. When Saul found out that, that, that Ahimelech helped David, he killed Ahimelech. Because simply, he helped David. Not just Ahimelech. He also killed his family. Not just his family. He killed 
85 priests that work in the tabernacle. Not just the 85 people. If you read the Bible, he killed men, women, cattle, sheep, probably dog and cats in the town. That's what Saul did when he found out somebody helping David. He killed the whole town. Now we understand why the people in Kayla and the, uh, the Zippites didn't want to help David. Now we understand that they were afraid of Saul. If we help uh, David, we're going to be killed. If we, not just, uh, not just myself, my family, not just my family, the whole town will be killed just simply for helping one person. Look, I'm not saying what the Zippites did actually right or wrong. I don't know. You probably still say that, hey, look, the, the Zippites did something wrong. They should have helped David. Probably. But if you were actually in that position where you knew that you will be killed and your family will be killed, that would be a different answer, right? And then we start putting judgment to people without knowing the full story. No, you shouldn't do that. Well, you're not the one that will have the whole family killed, right? Lesson learned here. In our life, there are a lot of people that probably do, do something that is different from what you believe. There's probably actually a different standard from you. Don't put judgment on people just simply because they have a different belief. Don't put judgment on people if you don't know anything about what they are going through. Now, I, uh, I like the, uh, what the uh, Apostle Paul uh, teaching on the Romans 14. Now, I'm not going to actually preach about Romans 14. Uh, it's not on the slide either. But I'm going to read some verses from Romans 14, and then I'm going to summarize. That's actually similar to the situation. Romans 14, this is from Apostle Paul, it's talking about the, uh, the strong and the weak. Not the strong and the weak about the uh, physical health, but the strong of, uh, and the weak about spiritual, spiritual level, about your faith. All right? So the, initially it was talking about food, you know, what kind of food that you can eat, what kind of food that, that you can't. But let me read this, I'll explain to you. From Romans, uh, Romans 14, verse 1. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Verse 4. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? Verse 10. Then, why do you judge your brother or sister or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. 
verse 12. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Verse 13. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the, uh, in the way of uh, a brother or a sister. Verse 19, which is my favorite. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. So this is what, what Apostle Paul said. In a community like us, there are people who's, been, who's got that standard of faith. Probably you've been Christian for 10, 20 years. Or so you've got high level of faith. But there are also people who just becoming Christian for the past one or two weeks. Probably they are, they are starting their journey from there. What Apostle, pay, uh, Apostle uh, Paul said, because of all this different level of faith, don't put judgment, especially those who are high, don't put judgment on the one that's actually newer. For example, for example, some people actually say, hey, look, uh, I don't believe in euthanasia. And then some people say, no, no, euthanasia is okay. And then, and then you, start putting, you start putting your, your, uh, your level of faith to others. If you do that, that's sin. If you do that, that's wrong. Because that's what I believe. What, what Apostle Paul say, look, each of you are servant of God. That's why they say that, who are you to judge other person's, uh, other person's servant? You are a servant of God. They also servant of God. Mind your own business. And then, at the, uh, and then he said, at the end of the day, all of us actually will stand before God in the judgment to give our accountability. And then who needs to give accountability? You need to give accountability for yourself. You don't give accountability for others. They don't give accountability for you. You give accountability for yourself. They will give accountability for themselves. If that's the case, then why do you judge others? If God's only worry about they and themselves and you and yourself, so it is not our right to judge others. Instead, what, what Apostle Paul say, because we've got all these differences, all of us should work towards peace and then start to edify each other. Encourage each other, motivate each other. That's what Apostle Paul said. All right? So, point number two don't easily pass on judgment. When we see other people that's, not, that's doing something that's not according to our standard, you can advise, but never put a label that guy, a bad guy. That guy, not so smart. That guy, lazy. That guy, you know, whatever. We start putting labels. Point number three. It's actually about God himself. 
Let me read from 1 Samuel 23, 26 to 29. Saul was going along one side of the mountain, and David and his men were on the other side, hurrying to get away from Saul. As Saul and his forces were closing in on David and his men to capture them, a message came to Saul saying, Come quickly, the Philistines are raiding the land. Then Saul broke off his pursuit of David and went to meet the Philistines. That is why they call this place Selah Hamak Lekot. And David went up from there and lived in the stronghold of En Gedi. Now, the Bible says, so when the Ziphites actually told where David was, Saul came. And the Bible says that they go round, round, round of the mountain like Tom and Jerry. You know, so, so initially David was on the other, this side, Saul was on the other side. They keep on chasing each other, chasing each other, chasing each other, until the Bible says Saul was closing in. To David, until at the point uh, uh, Saul can see, hey David, I see you, like Avatar, you know, I see you, I already see you there. Now, suddenly, they were just like that. Now, of course, David was afraid. Of course, David was terrified. This is somebody who wants to take my life, and he's just at the back there. He already see, I see you, I see you. Suddenly, just like that, a messenger came to Saul. Saul, the Philistine, attacked. Now, because of that, Saul stopped pursuing David and dealt with the Philistine. Just like that. Coincidence? Do you think it's coincidence? The Bible says in the first 20, uh, Samuel 23, verse 14b, Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. So suddenly God interfered. And this is when when David said, that must be God. I saw this as a miracle of God. You know that this, this interruption from Saul's perspective, this interruption that, that the Philistine actually came, suddenly came, was just a short interruption. If you read the next chapter, the very, very first verse of the next chapter, Saul already actually on his way back to chase David up. It was just a small interruption. So it's not a big attack by the Philistine. It was just a small attack that Saul can deal with very quickly. And the next day he went back to chase, uh, chase David up. But that give enough window for David to flee. When we want a miracle in our life, when we want God to actually work in our life, we always want everything instant, right? 
How many times, I don't know about you, how many, uh, everyone's got uh, have problem. I have problem. There are times where I just say, God, just do something. Show your miracle. I don't know. Turn around your hands. Make this happen. Change this heart. Um, change this person's heart. Or give me a raise or whatever. Or just, just, just simply heal me from my sickness. Just do it now, Lord. Do it now. But the very thing uh, the, about God is actually we never knew when he actually does his work. In the previous chapter, when David was actually asking uh, God, Hey God, when uh, is the people from Kayla going to surrender me to Saul? God say yes. God give David enough time to flee. Sometimes God actually give you enough time. But sometimes in this, in this case, God wait until the very, very last second. When Saul can see, I see you, David. Then he did the work. Now, I believe in, in our life, God did miracle to us. But we just don't know when. When, when God actually, uh, for, uh, in, uh, this morning I shared that I believe in our salvation, each of us, our individual salvation, God actually did miracle. Can you believe that, that God, just for the sake of saving one David, he moved the whole nation, which is Philistine, to give some interruption so David can, uh, can flee. Just to save one person, God moved the whole nation to attack Israel. That is our God. He is the one that actually leaving the 99 to save one person. And I believe that's actually the case for us, each of us, when we were saved by God, God orchestrated the whole situation. A number of people involved at the right time, at the right, uh, right place, so you can get saved. Do you realize that? You just don't come to just say that, I want to accept Jesus. A lot of people involved. A lot of people actually asking you to come to church. A lot of people actually praying for you that you don't know. God orchestrates everything. Now, the thing is actually about miracle. How patient are you for the miracle to happen in, our, uh, in, in your life? And like I said, we all have problem. Financial, health, relationship, whatever all problem. And then like me, you probably actually are asking for a miracle. But how desperate are you for a miracle? I mentioned this morning that uh, in the monthly prayer meeting on Monday night, you know, Grace always say, we are praying, okay, uh, you know, first topic, we are praying for the, for the miracle of God actually happening in our church. Oh, and then you pray, oh, yeah, yeah, because that's actually the point, right? So you just say, hey, God, uh, we want to actually ask for a miracle to happen in our church. But do you really believe that? 
Do you really believe that uh, like how David did? Let me uh, close with this story. This story comes from uh, Mark 10. Mark 10 is a story about somebody by the name of Bartimaeus. You probably already knew the story, but let me read it anyway. Bartimaeus is a blind person. And possibly because, they were blind, uh, because he was blind, he was a beggar. He was asking for people's mercy in the city of Jericho. Every day, all that he did, just sitting there asking for mercy. And one day, he heard from people saying that Jesus is coming to Jericho. Jesus is coming to the town. And then he got excited. When he heard that Jesus is approaching, he started shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He keep on shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. To his surprise, the people around him, rather than helping him because he was disabled, rather than helping him because he was blind, they start shooting him. Stop shouting. They start shooting him down. You're making a lot of noise. Stop shouting. Be quiet. Everyone shouting, you shout the loudest. Stop shouting. But rather than stop, Bartimaeus keep on, uh, keep on shouting even louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus passed, and this guy keep on actually making a lot of noise, he stopped. Then Jesus called upon him. When he was called, he took off his jacket. Straight away jumped to in front of Jesus. Then Jesus asked, What do you want me to do for you? When I read that, I said, Come on, Jesus. He was blind. What do you think he would ask? Of course, right? He wants to be healed. But that's actually a very key question. What do you want me to do for you? And I thought, do you really have to ask Jesus? And this man say, Lord, I want to see. And all that Jesus say is this. Go, your faith has healed you. And then he was healed. Now let me ask you this question. Are you having the same desperation for a miracle just like Bartimaeus? Are you keep on shouting to God, God healed me, God do something in my finance. God, do something with my work, with my study. 
or you just simply every day uh, Lord just give me enough food to eat and then when you start shouting to God when you start getting desperate to God God please do something I want to see your miracle I want to see your miracle don't be surprised when people around you will start shooting you down stop praying William you've been praying for months No answer, right? Stop praying. Stop shouting. No need to fast. Just a simple prayer. Two minutes prayer. Just like noodle. Two minutes. <laughs> Nothing more than that. Don't be surprised when, when sometimes people that you think they are friends start to actually discouraging you. But Bartimaeus didn't stop. So should you keep on asking God, God, shout even louder. Do something, God. And then he asked at the right time, what do you want me to do for you? Now you probably think, God, do you really have to ask? Well, put it this way. A lot of us got, got um, I suppose, uh, We were formed in our situation and we start accepting that's our condition forever. For example, if the doctor say that, oh, you've got a very, very bad sickness, you only have six months to go. Rather than asking for health, you just ask, God, just give me a new car, new Ferrari. I just want to actually experience Ferrari before I die. You already actually put in your mind that I'm going to die anyway. I'm going to actually ask for new cars. I'm going to enjoy. Rather than asking the very, very important question that you want to get healed. Maybe you think that you are not smart enough like other people. Rather than asking God give me wisdom, you just say, God, I just want to pass this exam. I just want to pass this. I don't care that I, that I need to be smart. No, I don't care about that. I just want to pass this. You know when God asked uh, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? You know what? He can actually just easily, just give me one dollar or two. I want to buy meal. Can he do that? Of course he could. He was a beggar. He just want one dollar or two dollar for, uh, for his next meal. But he's asking, I want to see And then surprisingly, uh, Jesus said that, go, your faith has healed you. Now I knew that uh, by being there, Jesus actually orchestrated the, uh, the, the healing. But look at what he said. Go, your faith has healed you. What healed him? His faith held him I want to tell you something friend if you're asking miracle but you don't have faith that it will ever happen in your life that will not happen because simply you're just asking a word just like that without having any meat in it there is no faith in it and Jesus say your faith has held him I'm going to conclude with this. 
Point number one. This is a calling for Jonathan's. All of us, you have friends sitting next to you. You have friends at the workplace. You have friends in your school, in your uni. Be the Jonathan's for people who are in need, for people who need motivation, for people who are desperate. You are being put there by God for a purpose. Point number two. Do not easily pass on judgment to others. You don't know what they are going through. You don't know what's the full story. Don't put judgment. You deal. Uh, you give accountability to God. Let them deal their accountability with uh, with uh, with God. But work in peace to edify each other. Point number three. You want to see miracle. Start having faith in it. Start asking. Start yielding. Start start asking, Lord, I want to see miracle. I want to see and have faith in it.